gospel of the gospel of Mark, chapter one, verses one through twenty. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came down from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him and going on a little farther he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who were in their boat mending the nets and immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him well good morning everybody how we doing all right am I on can you guys hear me all right, so hey, listen, we are in the Gospel of Mark, and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. It's good you guys hear me, and everyone's like, yeah, you're good. All right. So, yeah, all right. So, welcome, everybody. And uh, my name is Pastor Plex, a.k.a. I am the, the host of Pastor Plex Podcast. Would love to have all of you join the show. And one of the things we love to do, if you want to leave us a voicemail, we can play it on air now. It's pretty amazing. And uh, so, PastorPlex.com. Or you can just text us at the number on the screen. And we would love uh, to connect with you throughout the week on the podcast. It's fun. Now, we are uh, going through the Gospel of Mark. Before we get into that, uh, I want, do you guys know that Pastor Grayson is now soon to be Pastor Officer Grayson? Do you guys know that? Uh, he is uh, in the Pol Round Rock Police 
academy, and uh, God has called him uh, from ministry, which is an interesting sort of mindset to, he's not leaving ministry, but he's also now going to be a, uh, an officer in the Round Rock Police Department. And one of the things that, yeah, that's, you, can, you can clap and get excited for that, that's great. And one of the things that you may not know about uh, the police academy is you have to go through training, which you're like, okay, yeah, training. In fact, uh, we saw Grayson brought to the office like all the videos of everybody getting tased, which is really a fun thing to watch, uh, especially when it's not you, right? So, uh, so he's like, and I was, gonna, I was about to bring it up here and show all of you Grayson getting tased, and I was really excited about that, but apparently there's some rule about, you know, not showing that to the general public. Yeah, lawsuits and whatnot. Anyway, so just imagine Grayson going, Aah! for five seconds. And then after that, they squirt mace in his eyes. And then they, he, have, you know, he has to kind of uh, fight three guys uh, that, you know, got like, you know, it's kind of like blocking dummies that, you know, you, you get drilled. And then he has to, you know, go through the process of arresting somebody. And that's all part of the training. You cannot live out your purpose as a police officer until you've gone through a little bit of suffering. That's just part of it. And so as much as, uh, you know, and, and like, I think you, I don't know if you'd want police officers that like just had to take, you know, they just phoned it in. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, I saw that test on the, the, I took the test on the computer, passed it, and I'm ready to go take my gun and go out there and police the streets, right? When especially it's the mean streets of Round Rock, you need to have the full-on preparation to go on and take down the criminals and go down, prevent wrecks and pull people from wrecks and sort of save the day. You want people that are fully trained and know what it is to suffer. Now, watch. I think what happens, can we just be real and honest? When it comes to following God, we kind of do it partially. We, we like full-time benefits, but part-time Christianity for the most part. Can we just be real? Like, this is how, so we only follow God partially. Like, we love the purpose. Like, you know, we love the purpose of being a police officer, but we don't want any of the suffering part. Let's just take that part out of the equation, and we could be the happy, fun, funball Christians, and just like there's no problems, and we can show up and say, you have problems? I don't know what planet you're coming from. That doesn't make any sense. But if we have all lived any amount of time, you know that you can't have purpose without suffering. Every entrepreneur knows that. Every, every person that has done anything of value knows that it comes with suffering. So why wouldn't Christianity be, why would Christianity be any different? Okay, or what about this? Um, I think we follow God partially when we want love without stress. We want to have a honeymoon. And we don't want any of reality. Right, and there, you know, there's, I always love it when you do premarital. And we just, we haven't had a fight yet. I just really haven't. And you know, and, and you just sit there and go, oh man, this is going to be a slow motion train wreck, right? You just, you, you see it. Or, or they're, they're married for a couple of years. Like, oh, we just never fight. And like, what that means is someone steamrolls the other person and the other person is like, I don't know. I don't have a personality. And that's sort of what happens, right? So love without stress, we sort of want that, but we also want that with God. We want God's full love of God with no stress. Okay. Or how about this? Um, we want reward without sacrifice. We all, I mean, how many of you all have, there's been a moment where you've bragged about getting the A and you didn't study, right? You're like, well, 
I mean, I used to tell people I wasn't going to study, and then I'd sneak study, and then I'd get an A. And I'd be like, I don't know how that happened, right? That was like sort of my MO, right? I, but I wanted sort of, I want the reward, right? I want reward without having to put in effort. And nothing works like that, like, right? And this is kind of like, this is what we all tell our kids. This is what we all tell people. This, if you want anything of value, you've got to sacrifice something for it. And I think this is what happens. We all want the benefits, purpose, love, reward, without any of the cost, suffering, stress, sacrifice. And so this morning, uh, as we open up to the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see that um, God has something really special for us if we follow him fully and wholly. So much so that the purpose will come with a little suffering, but it'll be like you'll feel like it's nothing. And you're like, no, 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 Chris, suffering is bad. Purpose is good. No, you know this. If you've done anything of value, it's awesome. Purpose, love, reward, and then you won't mind paying the price. We're going to get into what all that means, okay? So we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. If you have no idea what, where that is, um, if there's a Bible somewhere in your vicinity, uh, and if you open up the page 836 uh, in the Bibles we have around you, we that's where we're going to start, the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark. Or if you have your uh, digital device, go ahead and turn to it, open to it, and uh, we will begin. Let's pray and ask God to, to bless the reading and proclamation of his word. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace and your joy. And God, I am so grateful for that. But I'm also grateful for uh, the stress and the suffering and the sacrifice, as I know those go hand in hand when we follow you. But God, would you show us this morning how all of that is worth it, that um, our works are not something that get us to heaven, but they're something that we enjoy uh, because we're going there. And so, God, I pray that as we uh, read, you would minister to people right where they're at, wherever they're at in the journey. If this is the first time they've opened up a Bible, or if this is the billionth time they've opened up a Bible. God, would you bless this, and would you hide me behind the cross and all of my issues that I've got. Just uh, pack them away so that uh, people can see the clarity of who you are, Jesus, and how great you are. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to start in uh, the Gospel of Mark and Mark 1.1. But before we do, uh, Mark, if you didn't know this, is not one of the, like, the 12 apostles or disciples. He was a guy that followed Peter around. And he sort of wrote down Peter's sermons. And so this is sort of like a compilation of Peter's greatest sermons. Okay, So th that's what you're getting. And what you're going to read a lot is the word immediately. You're going to be like... That's going to get off on his, it's not really grammar, what is that? Just pure literature poorness of like you're repeating yourself over and over again. Unless God wants you to read the word immediately over and over again because we got stuff to do. Okay, so you're going to see that Mark is a man of action. He's going to keep it moving. And, uh, and I think it might be because that's how Peter preached. He didn't like to kind of like contemplate, you know, on the thing. He just goes, next thing, next thing. And immediately a lot of things are going to happen. So you're going to see that word. It's over 40 times in this gospel. So just kind of know this is an action. If you ever want to know what the action gospel is, it's this one. It's the quickest read. Uh, and I'm excited to share it with you. Okay, here we go. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to which... Gospel, if you're not familiar with the word, it just means good news. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then it says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, 
Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. Now, um, do I have any like, Bible nerds here that are just like, wait a minute, that's not in Isaiah. Does anyone know where this actually is? Malachi. All right, good job. So this is Malachi 3.1, where he's saying, Behold, I am coming. uh, Behold, I send my messenger. This is God speaking of sending his messenger. Now, Malachi is what we call a minor prophet. And whenever there are two prophets addressed and the sort of same thing, you always, you know, sort of go to the major prophet, which is Isaiah, which is the second part. So he says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So listen, behold, I send my messenger, someone that's going to be like a herald. The king is coming, the king is coming. Okay. And when the king comes, then you say, that's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. In other words, whenever um, a dignitary royalty would be pressing or or would be moving through town everybody would make sure i-35 with construction was complete they would make sure mopac was done they would make sure all of the roads that are just awful in austin would be complete before president biden rolled through with the motorcade and you don't take him down the the cruddy roads you take him down the nice roads and so that what they're saying is like hey the king is coming Make your path straight. And what we're going to find out, it's not actual roads, because it's not like God needs a road. He's saying, he's going to talk about, like, you've got to prepare your heart, because the king is coming. So watch how this unfolds. So John, a.k.a. John the Baptist, if you ever heard him, John the Baptist, this John. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So what he would do, and this is important because it's for the repentance of for the forgiveness of sins. So to prepare your way for the king, he said you went to John, and John would get ready, and you'd say, I am a sinner, and I have not been right. I am now dedicating my life to living new. I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind. I'm preparing my life for the king. And then they'd be baptized, dunked underwater. They'd come out, and they'd be ready to live a new life. Well, all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So that, that's sort of what that would look like. They're preparing their way. This is awesome. Thousands of people were heading out to John. And now we're going to get a description of John. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts. But you're like, oh, that must have been what like, people in the ancient world ate. No, nobody eats locusts, okay? It's weird then, it's weird now, and we're in Austin. So he ate locusts and wild honey. And so in other words, he, he wore, camel's hair is really rough, okay? So it's not like, you know, cotton or even wool. This stuff is rough. It keeps out the elements. But man, it is like your skin is going to get some chafing going on when you wear some of this. That kind of means you're tough and you don't mind. You're just like, well, I don't care. And so this is a, a hard dude. And he would, whenever he would roll in somewhere, everyone was like the... The rich people, the religious people, they were, you know, their, their thread count was like, you know, 20,000, 40,000. So they're like, look at my threads. I'm living lavish luxury because that was the sign that God was with you. And John's like, I, don't, I got a thread count of seven, all right? So I'm rolling in here and I don't care. And so he's got the leather belt. He's got the, the camel's hair and he is coming and, and looked like people are like, that sounds like, let's turn back a couple pages. Oh, that's Elijah the prophet, which we know from Malachi 4 that that, uh, the forerunner would come in the spirit 
of Elijah. And so here comes representing the Old Testament prophets who always talked about the coming Messiah. That's John. Okay. So then, and he preached, saying, after me comes he who is mighty tonight. Which you're like, oh, he thinks he's a big deal. No, he's got thousands of people coming to him. He's saying that you guys are coming to me. I get it. But there's someone much bigger, much greater than me. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And he says, listen, I'm baptizing you with water. But he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be born again. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, hold on, hold on. Jesus, the one who's... um, not wor- or who like uh, whose sandals John is not worthy to untie. He comes to John and says, "Hey, please baptize me. Commission my ministry." That's a big win. If you, you know, listen in preaching world, that's sort of a big deal. When Jesus comes to you to get baptized, you kind of go like, "I've made it. I've arrived. I can kind of retire now." All right. So you like honestly like if, like if Jesus came to Wells Branch Community Church, we're like, "Hey, check out this sweet baptism uh, thing." Jesus goes, Chris, I'd love for you to baptize me. I'd be like, me? Oh, man. Thanks, Jesus. Look at how my ministry would go next level, all right? But then immediately after that, John gets arrested. To which you're like, well, that's unfortunate. I thought when, you know, and this is how we view life, right, in in general. If God is with you, you're doing God's purpose and will, good things happen. It's like karma, Good things happen to people who do good things, unless it's not karma. Unless it's God has a purpose and a plan, and it's far bigger than anyone can wrap their head around. In other words, following God leads to purpose and perhaps prison. And you know, when, when John goes to prison, it's not like he's like, what? I mean, there's moments where he has doubts, right? But he is fulfilling the, the Lord's will. And he, you know, he was speaking out against all sorts of sin. And he's leading in the favor of God. In fact, God said, of those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. And so it's not because he did something wrong that he finds himself in prison. Um, okay. But we all know this. If you're doing something you love, you're never tired, you're never poor. Do you guys know that? Like if you are love like if you love your job, this this is why uh, people get married to their job and wives get really frustrated by this. But what happens is you're like, I could never come home. I could be here all day. I got just 75 more emails to knock out, five more minutes, don't worry. And you know, for a lot of us, we kind of like live in that world. And when you live in purpose, you don't get tired, you never feel poor. Okay? When I was in Iraq, I had a um one of my soldiers that really struggle with drugs before he went to combat. And you'd think, why would you take a drug addict to combat? Because that's what you get. Anyway, so uh, we, we all go to Iraq. And, uh, you know, we're in the, it's, it's hot. It's like 120 degrees outside. You put somebody in a, a steel depleted uranium tank, it gets hotter. And we would roll out in the sector. Things would blow up. People would die. People would get hurt. And I'll never forget seeing this one soldier. He's like, sir! And he like kind of like yelled, yelled at me as he was going out in the sector. I love my job. Like it was just an interesting sort of deal. And I'm like, oh, all right. Because when you're in purpose, suffering is just sort of like what you do. You kind of almost embrace it. Now, 
in our culture, um, there isn't a point where our purpose of sharing the gospel in Jesus is going to lead us to prison. Yet, right? I mean, like, we're not there. Like, there isn't a part of us, like, if I share the gospel on downtown Austin, the, you know, the uh, disinformation police aren't going to, you know, arrest me and take me to the White House and, like, you know, I stand before the court. And that, that hasn't happened yet. I'm just, yet. So, but that is happening in all over the world. Did you guys know that? Uh, one of, uh, you know, if you go to, you know, our, the pillars of the global economy of China, Russia, uh, Iran with oil in the Middle East. It is illegal to do those kind of things, okay? So if you're in Iran, for example, if you are to pass out a Bible in the native language Farsi, you go to jail. And that's like, not like, you know, 50 years ago, not when the Ayatollah Khomeini was back in the day. We're talking about now. Um, watch this. Um, uh, about uh, several years ago, uh, there was a woman uh, named Marzi, and she uh, grew up in Iran, sort of disenfranchised with the, the religion of Islam and sort of frustrated when uh, she couldn't find the God of love that, that she was yearning for, that, that sort of like there's this deep thing in our soul that calls for. And uh, at some point, uh, she had a dream about God. You know, and the lo- we're seeing this a lot in the Middle East, that people having these dreams and these visions. And she has this like this horse, this white horse is leading her away from all the religious people who are turning into demons. And, and she you know, is on the horse and the horse is, is ushering her toward this great love. And she, the, the dream ends before like she can see who the source of the love is. She's like, ah, I want to go back to that dream. And uh, soon after that, she, she meets a Christian who talks about Jesus. and says, hey, Jesus is who you're looking for. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. If you trust him, it'll transform your life. And she's like, mm, listen, all I know about uh, Jesus, what I learned from my religious teachers, that he's just a human being, a prophet. Stop talking about him as the son of God. She's like, well, you need to ask God to reveal himself. Well, soon after that, she has another vision. And all of a sudden, that white horse takes her right to the throne room, and she sees Jesus. She's like, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is the thing, very thing I've been waiting for. God is speaking to me through this dream. So she starts pulling out a Bible, reads it cover to cover, is transformed, gives her life to Jesus. And is like, I need to know more about this Jesus. And so she heads to Turkey where it's legal to, uh, to learn about Christianity. And then she's like, i got to take this message back to my hometown of Tehran, which you're like, oh, it's a pretty happy, comfy city if you're not a Christian. Uh, and so she goes back and she starts to distribute Bibles. Remember, one Bible will get you arrested. She, trans- she, she hands out 20,000. And that I wanted to show you a quick video of her telling her story of after she hands out about 20,000 Bibles. It was 2009 that, uh, you know, some people had reported about some of our activities and uh, Mayim and I got arrested. I received a phone call from the security police and they called me. They told me there are, there are some issues about my car documents and they asked me to go to the police station. But when I went to the police station, they told me you are here because uh, some, some of our guards saw you sharing Bibles with people. And he asked me, are you a Christian? And I said, uh, immediately, yes, of course, I'm a Christian. Immediately, they handcuffed me, and they didn't allow me to call Mariam to let her know. They took me back to to apartment to ransack every, every, everything, and they found uh, hundreds of Bible in our apartment, and they called their boss and told them that we found the source here. 
We were praying in our hearts that God protect those uh, Bibles in the basement and praise God they didn't uh, even think about, uh, you know, searching the basement. And they took both of us to the security police. They uh, locked us in a very dirty, uh, dark uh, cell in the, in the basement. And they told us that we are going to ask lots of questions and you have, uh, you have to tell us the truth. Uh, otherwise, we will beat you until you vomit blood. But I, I remember when I was talking to them, I could hear my words at how powerful I was talking to them. Even though I had so much fear, I believe it was the Holy Spirit that uh, didn't allow my weakness, my fear to be shown to them. At midnight, they transferred us to uh, another jail and praise God, they didn't you know, uh, torture us physically and they transferred us to a jail, a small uh, jail for 14 days. We were there. There was dirt everywhere. It was dark, very small cells. We could not see the light. We didn't have uh, clean water to drink. We had to sleep on a cold concrete floor. We didn't have, uh, you know, uh, clean blankets to cover ourselves. We had to use blankets that were soaked in urine. We faced many difficulties when we were in uh, prison. The government put pressure on us. They told us you can just write one sentence and you would renounce your faith, then you would be set free. But we refused because we both experienced uh, Jesus' love and uh, it was an honor to suffer for our faith. I love that. That last, it was an honor for us to suffer for our faith. I just wonder if that day happens here, is that our attitude, or we're like, ah, oof. I mean, Jesus can come and go. I, I, I just wonder if that's what happens to us when we get pressed when it comes to our faith. Too convicting. Keep moving. All right, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, so we looked at John, now let's look at Jesus, right? So watch Jesus, we're going to focus on him. Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Now I want you to see this. The Trinity is present. Here's he, that's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then the voice uh, from heaven, that's God the Father. I, I just love the picture of the Trinity all present here. Uh, just beautiful in these, these two verses. But then something that I know this is one of those things that this verse here, or this, this, what the Father says to Jesus impacts me every time I read it. And, and for those of you who, you know, you've got dad issues or you've got issues, we all have some issues, right? But everybody in the building needs to hear this. Because what God the Father says to Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry, before he does anything like performance-wise, before he gets even started, he says, You are mine. Beloved son, I love you. And with you, I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you. And everybody in the building needs to hear this. I love you. I'm proud of you. And you're mine. Everybody needs to hear this. And we, we can receive that as God talking to us because Jesus in John 17 says, God, I pray that you would love them, a.k.a. us, even, equal to, as you love me. And so we can lean into this. I love you. 
I'm proud of you, and you're mine. And I've, I feel like when we, when we hear that, um, we need to wrap our head around how important and how powerful that is. Because I think we can miss something um, because we get caught up in the enemy's lies. Now, okay, so we're going to get into more of that in a second. But I, I really want you to, to see this. I love you. I'm proud of you in your mind. He leans in that. He shares that. In fact, with my, my own son um, recently, actually this happened this morning. Here's a fun, here's, a, here's how the pastor's day starts. Uh, so um, does anybody ever have issues getting your kids in the car? Nobody, right? Like, it's just like everyone just goes, yes, daddy, I will now hop into the car and put my seatbelt on all by myself. Of course, that never happens. So, okay, so as we're leaving, um, I, and I, this is like where I brought on my own chaos to myself, and I probably should have waited. It wasn't the appropriate time, but, you know, this is a moment of ministry for the family. I walk by the, um, the air conditioning thing, and somebody, and this is like the seventh time it's happened, turned it to heat. And I was like, started twitching, because like, we're in the middle of summer. Why is the heat on? And so I gather the whole family. And, you know, we were almost out the door, and this was like a moment of, like, we have got to fix this problem because somebody keeps turning the heat on. And so I gather all the boys and Adrian. Like, who is it? Who is turning on the heat? Adrian, is it you? <laughs> and so we go through it, and like, we are going to have discipline unless you tell me who turned on the heat. And, like, everyone's, like, quiet. It's like, no. You know, snitches get stitches. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like, listen, if you don't, listen, if you just tell me, like, if you, no one gets spanked. No one gets anything happened to them. Listen, all you got to do is just tell me who did it. We can understand why. And like, everyone's quiet. I'm like, what is going on? So discipline happens. And then um, we get into the car. I'm like, why, would, why, why wouldn't you just tell me? Is it, are you guys sure that it wasn't any of you? And then eventually Austin goes like, well, it might have been me. And I'm like, what do you mean it might have been? Well, I, every time I go by that, I just hit it. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know. I'm like, but why wouldn't you just tell me that that was you? He's like, and this is when he started to cry. And then you just sort of see it. And, and, it, and I go, listen. I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're mine. I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're mine. And what happens, I need you to hear this, is sometimes what can happen is we look at um, bad behavior and we assign, bad behavior is guilt. You feel guilty whenever you do something wrong, but shame is I'm wrong. Shame is that the very core of me, there's something broken. And no matter what, there's no way that anybody could love me. And I, I reckon I said, why are you feeling shame? Because I think the very thing, like, he's heard it uh, uh, so much about, we have the saying, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're mine. That, that's over and over. Daddy loves you when? And he goes, when I make good choices, when I make bad choices. What, what makes daddy happy? When I make good choices, and I said, your performance never dictates my love for you. I don't care. You could we could have the the house at 500 degrees and I'll still love you. And just whew, because every kid needs to know they're loved. And I don't care if you're 9 or 59. You need to know that you're loved. So watch this. So 
and this is what happens though, is lies get inside our heads and when we feel and we start to believe the shame. Watch this. And this is interesting, right? The spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, into the wilderness. Okay, so we have this like really spiritual moment. I love you. I'm proud of your mind. Now leave. You know, it's like, whoa. But this is how God operates. All throughout the scripture, he does this. He'll say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. All right, everyone's heard that. But then he also says, if anyone would come after me, he must tape up his cross and die daily and follow me. And you're like, whoa, which one is it? No, it's both. When Mary meets Jesus in the garden after the resurrection, she clings to him, hugs him. Like, Jesus, you're alive. And he had this intimate moment, Mary, Mary, like, Jesus, awesome. And then he's like, hey, uh, stop clinging to me. Now go and tell the disciples that I have risen. Whenever, he, whenever Jesus is with um, the disciples in a locked room, they start celebrating. He's alive. He is risen. And he says, as a father has sent me, so I'm sending you. That's part of it. You're comforted so that you can go share that comfort with others. But here, the Spirit immediately drove him out to the wilderness. And this is interesting. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals. And anytime you read wild animals, that means that's, that all, you know, the lions, the, uh, and when people think lions, they think African lion, think mountain lion, okay, just FYI. All right, so like that reality is like here, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and, and Matthew and Luke really go into account of like, they're testing Jesus' flesh. Are you going to give in to your hunger? They're checking uh, Jesus, they're testing, or Satan's testing Jesus' pride. Are you going to give in to the flesh and the desire to sort of rule and make things easier to his comfort? Or, hey, Jesus, just jump off the temple, do a swan dive, and just call on the angels to save you. You know how that works. And he's like, that's, I'm not going to put my God to the test. But then he says this last line. So, and he was with, so he, he passes the, the test by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And watch this. this. This line, it was just like something I sort of read. Just like you probably read the Bible, and you're like, okay, next. And the angels were ministering to him. Wait, Jesus needs ministry? Like, this is Son of God. No, no, no. Son of God needed somebody to minister to him. Like, the God that's perfect needed angels to minister to him when the lies of Satan were surrounding him. So if you read that, you go, huh, if Jesus needs to be ministered to, I need to be ministered to. Do you, do you ever just like have that realization of like, if it's good for Jesus, it's probably good for me. And remember, there, there's two times where Jesus needs ministry. One is right here where he's, where he's tempted by Satan 40 days. And you know the other time? When Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, he's like, God, if there's any other way. Like, you want to talk about temptation. The cross is, you know, that, that's kind of hard. Let's do it another way. Let this cup pass from me. And he's like, he gets his uh, disciples say, hey, stay awake and pray with me. And they're like, nah, I fall asleep. Can't you even stay awake with me for an hour? Jesus needed ministry, which means you need ministry. Do you know the Bible, the uh, New Testament, has a, over 100 one another's? Love one another, forgive one another, bear with one another. Support one another, encourage one another. We need another. Because we need ministry. I need ministry. 
Uh, this week, you know, when you have moments where the, the, the lies of Satan and like kind of creep in, and I had a meeting with my elders, and uh, I came to them and I said, hey guys, I feel sad. I feel sad. Would you pray over me? I needed ministry. Me. Because sometimes things are hard. Sometimes things don't go the way you plan, and then when they're not going that way, and then you need someone to minister to you. So if Jesus needs that, and then, you know what's so freeing about that? When I named it, it got tame. Name it to tame it. And all of a sudden, all that sadness turned to joy as I think the thing I was starting to feel was like the lie I was believing, right? What's the lie you're believing? I was, I'm alone. And they're like, we're all right here. I'm like, yeah, I know. I guess that is funny. It's not true, is it? You know, like, that's what happens when the Spirit of God comes and you need to be ministered to. The problem is we don't want ministry. You know what we want? We want to be good on our own. And we want to just put on an image that stress doesn't really bother me. And so we have the image because we're afraid of shame. Just like my son was afraid someone would find out that he didn't have it together. I think there's a fear that you have, that someone's going to find out that you're just like everybody else. And I think we all fear that. And that's what makes I love you, I'm proud of you, your mind so powerful is that if Jesus needed to hear it, you need to hear it. And if Jesus needed ministry, you need a ministry. So in other words, when you follow God, it's going to draw the Father's love and Satan's lure. You're going to get the full-on love of the Father. But you're also going to get tempted. And it's gonna, you're going to have lies creep into your head. You're going to have the struggle. You're going to get beaten down by it. And you're like, no, no, no. I just want the love. I don't want to have to deal with Satan. But you know this, when, especially when you first become a Christian, it's like you, you're, the target becomes like massive until you learn how to walk in the Spirit, until you learn to go to extend that sense of weakness. And that becomes your strength when you start to learn that the church was designed to build you up in the collective because we're individualists. And that's really hard to wrap your head around. And even though your salvation is individual, individual your growth is collective that's the way it works and so understand that falling god draws the father's love you get the love you get the unbelievable but you also get satan's lord and you're gonna be tempted like you've never been before and it's gonna be a struggle that you've never experienced before and so we need each other and we need that father's love to be reminded of that truth over and over and over again okay now verse 14 now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. So remember, here it is, the gospel, we're about to see when I, when I highlight the gospel, it's going to, the gospel, good news, the gospel, good news, and in the middle is what the actual good news is. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So watch this. Here it is. The good news is the time is fulfilled. All that the Old Testament prophets have been talking about. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Get ready. Make your path straight. Get ready. He's coming. He's like, hey, everything everyone's been talking about, it's here. I'm here. The kingdom of God is at hand. And guess what? I'm the king. The king is presenting the kingdom. So repent. Leave your old kings. And come follow me. Okay? That, that's the gospel. Leave all your old kings, all your old functional saviors, all your old stuff. And when I say functional savior, it's the stuff that you run to whenever the stress comes, whenever the pain comes. If it's alcohol, that's your functional savior. If it's work, that's your functional savior. If it's like, I'm just going to invest in my relationship with my kids because I have no relationship anywhere else. And so you, you put on all that weird stress on your kids. That's your functional savior. That's what you do. Now watch. Now we're going to see how the disciples, and this is where they kill it, they nail it. 
they're going to leave their functional saviors. They're going to leave their functional kings, and they're going to turn to Jesus. Watch. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Their identity was their career. How do we know that? We're about to see what they do to sort of follow Jesus. Everybody's going to have a moment like this. Look at this. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. If you said you were like a hunter, and I said, oh, what kind of rifle? You? I don't really have one. I'd be like, you're not a hunter. If you're like, um, if you said, if you're like, oh man, I'm a, I'm a photographer. Oh, are you a Canon or a Nikon guy? But oh, I really don't actually have a camera. I just read a lot about. It. I'd be like, you're, you're not a photographer, right? Like that's just let's, you know. If you're like, oh man, I'm just a really great musician. I'm like, oh, what do you play? Well, I don't actually have a guitar or actually anything, but I consider myself a musician. Uh, or if, if you, you know, like, oh, I'm an athlete. Oh, like, what's your sport? Well, I really, you know, EA Sports is really my sport. Okay, I'm not, not going to go there. All right. But what happens, like, they left their nets. You can't be a fisherman if you don't have a net. It's not like you go to Walmart and you pick up one for 10 bucks. It's like that, you've spent your life, that's your livelihood. It's all in the nets. And they drop them and they follow Jesus. Their identity shifted from the nets and being fishermen to being followers of Jesus. Now, watch this one. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. What's their identity? Their identity is in their family. They got the family business. Like whatever dad wants to do, we do that. And who are in their boat mending their nets. Okay. And immediately he called them, and they left their father in the boat. And with the hired servants, and followed him. These guys... Leave the family. And you're like, whoa. Doesn't the Bible say, like, you, should, you know, anyone who doesn't take care of their family is worse than a believer? Yes. But their identity was in their family. And, and can I just, this is, this is where I want to go with this. What happens sometimes when I talk to people about salvation is I would trust Jesus, but you don't understand. I love Jesus. I like everything you're saying, Chris. But my, my parents, like, they didn't grow up in church. I don't know if they ever knew Jesus or even heard of Jesus. So I can't go there with you. Because to believe in Jesus would mean my parents are not in heaven. And I can't take that leap. And that's why I'd say, you're still in the boat with your dad. Following God results in gaining Jesus and leaving things we love. And, and, and what I say is like, you know, you actually have to take care of your family. But now that's not your first priority. Your first priority is Jesus and what his call on your life is. And that's a hard shift. That's difficult to do. When God calls you to leave the things we love. I, I, um, because ultimately, we know this. That when you talk about any gain, it's going to co come with sacrifice. Um, a couple months ago, I you know, stepped on the scale and noticed I gained a little weight. Okay. Anybody have a moment like that? I know nobody here would have that problem. And, uh, and that's why you wear your shirts untucked. It's like glorious. Anyway, uh, and what happened is I go, huh, all right. And I, I, I remember pronouncing this to Adrian. I said, Adrian, I'm going to defeat dietitians everywhere. I'm just going to work out more but not change the way I eat. That was my literal plan. And uh, she goes, oh, I can't wait to see how this works. I said, I'm going to write the book. 
the one side, I said, like, you don't have, like, abs are not made in the kitchen. They're made with hard, working harder. So I, I started working out. I had my watch set for 1,000 calories a day, but, um, and I was, like, pressing, and I was pushing it, and then I got on the scale, and I gained 10 pounds. I was like, what happened? <laughs> you can't outrun a bad diet, turns out, right? And here's what happens. We, I wanted uh, the, the healthy body with all the food that's not healthy. We want a healthy spirituality, still doing all the stuff that led us to the darkness. That's what, that's what we want. No, no, don't make me give up anything, Chris. Don't make me give up my sexuality. Don't make me give up my desires. Don't make me give up my money. Don't make me give up all the things I've been working so hard for. This is awesome. Jesus is good, too. Why can't I have them both? That's called Fun word for you guys, syncretism, where you take all the gods of this world and you sort of combine them all in a big pot and worship everything. I want my Jesus and whatever I want, when I want, how I want it. And so here's what I want you to see, is that God is calling us to more. And the question I want to leave you guys with is, are you all in to follow God? And this morning, um, we're going to watch a baptism video. We, we baptized somebody first service, and I was like, it's that good. I wanted you to see it this service. And we, we baptized Kaler, uh, who left his old life. He repented, and he turned from uh, performance to Jesus. He turned from the darkness of his identity in the things of this world, and he turned to Christ. And that, to me, is one of the greatest joys to watch because he was here as a kid in our children's ministry and now 10 years later he's an adult he knows Jesus and so um, this morning uh, as we watch that I want you to contemplate that if you're here and you're like Christianity I'm just you know kicking the tires on this thing I've never even don't really know much about it I want you to ask your question the question I want you to ask yourself what's preventing you from trusting Jesus right now What's, trusting, what's preventing you from trusting Jesus now? And then secondly, will you take that leap of faith to believe that Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he's the king, and you follow him? What's preventing you from that? And if you are a Christian, if you've, if you've made that decision, what parts of the world have you been like, nah, I can't, I, I kind of like that old way of living. I'm going to bring that back, that thing back in because you don't understand. I kind of need that. It makes me feel safer and secure when I have that, whatever, what's that thing? That relationship you keep going back to? That little secret sin that you sort of pet? What's with the thing you keep going back to? And let's go all in. Your salvation is free. Do you guys know that? He says, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He's a savior. And then as your savior, he's also going to be your king who's not going to let you wallow in the darkness. He's going to say, let's change the things that made your life so negative, and let's walk in the spirit. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for your great love. Jesus, we're asking, we're pleading with you, would you help us to go all in with you? I'm praying that somebody here for the first time would say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. And God, I'm praying for those that are here that have walked this out with you for a while and all the stuff, the suffering, 
has gotten a little hard and they've forgotten their purpose. The stress has gotten too much and they've forgotten their love. The sacrifice seems too steep and they... Um, They've forgotten the great reward. And so Jesus, this morning, would you open our eyes to your great love for us as we usher you in. We love you, Jesus. It's all for your glory, we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hey, imagine just for a moment, what would happen if we looked at the purpose that God has given us and we leaned into it instead of just said, I don't want any of that suffering stuff. Imagine what would happen if we took it the love that we got from God and then applied it to the things that are our stress. Imagine if we understood that reward and sacrifice go hand in hand. It would change you, change your family, change this church, it would change that city. Did you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who put the purpose of God first and let's follow Jesus. Go and be a people that are looking to gain Jesus no matter what the struggle or the pain or the heartbreak, go live in the Father's love as we push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.